Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Bird, and I'm so pumped that you would spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation New Jersey. And so, uh, so listen, for today's message... It's going to be less teachy, and, and listen, I want to provoke you. I want to challenge you uh, this morning, and so maybe this will help set us up here before we get into the scriptures. Is you know, I I, I recently heard the story of a of a school assembly, this high school assembly, and and actually they 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 gathered the entire high school together in the gymnasium, and and they uh, they were going to introduce uh, the four divisions of our armed forces, and they. Each division had like 15 minutes to present. It was only a one-hour assembly, and then the, the bell was going to ring. And so uh, so they had each of the divisions were given uh, 15 minutes uh, so they could do their little spiel to get the kids to to sign up for the armed forces. And and so uh, naturally, the, the Air Force guy goes first, and he's all top gun, you know, showing uh, Maverick videos, and, and he's just into himself. He's got the shades and doing all this stuff, uh, you know, Air Force stuff, man, and but listen, the dude goes 20 minutes, and so now he's cutting into the time of all these the, the other remaining military forces. And so, you know, army guy goes next, and it's just kind of like, be all you can be, right? Uh, get an edge on life in the army. And so he does his spiel, but get this, army guy... He too goes 20 minutes, and so now, uh, man, there's only 20 minutes to get kind of divided between uh, the Navy guy and the Marine, and so Navy guy goes next, and he's like, hey, man, make sure you you keep this kind of short, but Navy guy's like, hey, man, I'm getting my time, and so Navy guy does his thing, you know, Navy SEALs and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and so finally, the Marine guy's left, and the principal goes, hey, man, you got uh, three minutes that bell's going to ring, and then these students are out of here, man. So I'm really sorry. Marine guy is unflapped, unfazed by it. And he stands up in the middle of that auditorium, and he begins to pan the crowd. And as he's looking at every kid, silently, for two minutes, until he breaks this silence, and he says this. He says, I see one, maybe two of you, uh, that could cut it as a Marine. I'll see you after this uh, auditorium meeting. Boop! The alarm goes off. We'll get this. All those kids uh, went to Marine Guy. Why? Because he challenged them and provoked them. Uh, I see maybe one, maybe two of you that could cut it at this thing. And and so the, the reason why I mention that is we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4 this morning. And, and it's listen, in 2 Timothy, it's, it's, Paul's, it's the last book that Paul ever wrote. Uh, in the last chapter that Paul ever wrote. And he's going to write to his spiritual son, his prodigy, Timothy. And he wants to provoke and challenge Timothy to be all that God's created him to be. And I pray that you and I are provoked to be all that God's called us to be. And so um, so get this, today, Paul is going to drop some F-bombs. And so I hope that doesn't, uh, you know, you're not alarmed by that, but it, but it's just true. And it's fascinating for me. I, I grew up uh, almost literally in a dressing room, a locker room, you know, played hockey throughout my, my childhood years and whatnot. And, 
it's funny. Then when I got into the NHL, it was it was funny. We would have it like the NHL is truly like a global sport, and so we would have these these uh, Europeans and Eastern Europeans and Scandinavians, and and so they they would all come on our team, and many of them didn't speak any English yet, <laughs> and so so you can imagine uh, what a bad place to learn the English English language uh, like in a dressing room, and so it was. I remember one time we had a, a, one of our Swedish players. Um, we were, it was before uh, a big, intense hockey game, and the room was silent until Mikhail Anderson, our Swedish player, he broke the silence, and he just says this, Come on, men. Uh, it's just the calm before the weather. And we look at each other. We're like, hey, Mikhail, I think you mean the calm before the storm, bro. <laughs> the calm before the storm. And so swinging a miss on that one. And but it, but it was funny. Like like not a good place for um, the, these uh, Europeans to, to to learn the English language. And so uh, man, my, my poor uh, Czechoslovakian friend. Uh, like he's uh, like he's in every other sentence. He's using the F word. And listen, he's using it as a verb, as an adverb, as a proper noun. Like, I'm like, bro, pick a lane, okay? Like, figure out how you're going to use this word, <laughs> right? And so, but but Paul, Paul uh, this morning is going to pick some powerful F-bombs. And they're not exactly what you think they would be. See, Paul is going to say this. He says, you need to fulfill your ministry. Fight the good fight and finish your race. Like those are Paul's F-bombs for today. And it's going to be in our text, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. And so let me read. Um, it says this, Paul says this, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. And here's the first one. Fulfill your ministry. Verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Here's the next one. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us grace this morning. Lord, that you would indeed challenge us and provoke us uh, through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at number one. The first F-bomb this morning is fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. And so uh, it's funny, I can remember uh, going to Barnes & Noble and, you know, just I went with my wife and we're kind of looking around. I'm always drawn to the sporting section. And and I don't know if you've ever been to the sporting section at like like Barnes & Noble's, like these books. It's it's all NFL, NBA, and then, and then maybe snuggled in between uh, bowling and darts you can find a little bit of hockey. <laughs> it's just the truth. And I, but but so you can imagine how overwhelmed I was uh, when I went to Barnes and Nobles and I found this enormous book. Do you see the size of this thing? And man, I started thumbing through. Uh, then this it says a day in the life of the National Hockey League. And as I as I'm opening up this book and going through it, you know what I found? I'm in the book. <laughs> I'm in the book, man. And so uh, and so you're saying, did you buy it? Well, of course I did. And don't judge me for that. You would too. And uh, But but I, I say all that to say this. Do you know that, that God too has a massive book and you're in it. You're in God's book. Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16. David says this. 
He says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And so like God has a book and you're in the story of Almighty God. Like he has formed all your days for a purpose, for a destiny. And so I'm going to echo the words of Paul this morning. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. You have a ministry. In fact, um, I, I'm reminded of, of the life of Moses. Do you remember Moses? Like, can we agree that in the, in the book of God, the story of God, Moses is a pretty big deal. Like, like when you only have one name, like Kanye or Jordan or Oprah, right? You're a big deal. Moses. And so yet, yet Moses, we find when, when um, he was called out by God, Moses wasn't in a good spot. Uh, in fact, he had, he had, he had murdered a man. Uh, he was actually a fugitive and on the run. And, and when we see uh, when Moses receives his calling, he's actually out in the backside of the woods and he's just tending some sheep, right? until a burning bush, uh, something that's burning and not consumed. And Moses, he hears the call of God uh, on his life. And God tells him, you are going to deliver my people. And so you can imagine immediately Moses is running through all these uh, reasons why, no, that's not going to happen, God. I don't speak well. Uh, I'm not very good at this. Get somebody else. And, And when he was finished giving all these excuses, I love what God did. God asked Moses this question. Hey, Moses, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? And as a shepherd, he had a staff in his hand. And Moses dropped that staff uh, to the ground. And, you know, in that moment, it became a serpent. We would find out later that that staff, uh, it would become a cobra killer. Do you remember when when Moses goes before uh, Pharaoh's magicians and he throws down his staff and and it becomes a serpent and and Pharaoh's magicians, they do the same? And what happens? Moses' staff swallowed up the other serpents. Did you know that that Pharaoh, if you've ever noticed, I believe we have an image of this, that that Pharaoh would, would always on his crown would have a cobra coming out of the top of his crown. Um, it was representative of the god, goddess Wadjet, right? The cobra goddess that would protect Pharaoh. And in, because of that, man, that staff became a cobra killer in that. Like that Pharaoh, man, your covering and your protection is done. Why? Because Moses is walking into his calling and to his ministry. Um, it, not only would it be a cobra killer, it would also become what? A, a sea splitter as Moses would split the Red Sea by the power of God. And so, so we see this, that, that man, like what's in your hand? David, you know, a rock in my hand is just a rock, but, but a rock in David's hand becomes what? A giant slayer, a giant slayer. And so my question for you this morning is this, like what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Like, what do you have that, that, man, if you would step into your ministry, like, like God has given you, uh, some of you, a family. Some of you, God, God has given you a job. Some of you, that God has given you a, a neighbor in a neighborhood. What has God given you? I would, I would tell you this, that's your ministry. Wherever you are, 
man, like your family, your friends, um, man, your surroundings, that is your ministry. And, and God would tell you this this morning, fulfill your ministry. And so do you know God's calling and God's purpose for your life? Do you know, I was so grateful that as a young man, uh, someone highlighted the book of Habakkuk uh, to me and they pointed out this verse and it was just transformative for my life. Uh, in Habakkuk chapter two, verses two through three, uh, it says this, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it for still the vision awaits at its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it, for it will surely come. It will not delay. And so, so we see this, like uh, God tells Habakkuk, hey, write the vision down. The vision that I've given for your life, write it down. And he says, though it may take a little while, though it may delay, it's surely going to come to pass. And, and I was so challenged and provoked as a young man. I remember I, I saw this verse at like the age of 13. And so I just, I, began to, I just wrote down what I believed, hey, what's God's purpose for my life? Calling. And, and I just wrote down this. Man, I was just like, Lord, I want to play professional hockey. I want to use it uh, as just a, a sounding board to proclaim your glory to anyone that will listen to me. And, and I said, Lord, I, I want to play from the time I'm 18 till I'm 33. And I don't know why I was so specific, but here's what's so fascinating. Do you know, I, so I wrote that down at like 13. Do you know I found that sheet of paper uh, much later in life? I think it was like 33. And you know what was so fascinating? Every single thing that I wrote down had come to pass. <laughs> so much so where I was like, man, God, why did I say I want to retire at 33? I should have kept going, man. <laughs> but, uh, but, but here's what I want you to know, man, that, that write down the vision. Ask God, God, what's your vision for my life? And write that thing down. Come on, if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. But now, what will happen if you, you can focus, man, the bullseye uh, of your life, write the vision down, and I promise you, though it may delay, it's going to come to pass. Fulfill your ministry. Number two is this. Uh, Paul says to fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. And so I've shared this uh, like a million times. Like, you know, if you can go on the internet and, and it, it says in the NHL, I had, I had 95 fights uh, it also says I only won four of them. <laughs> so, uh, so listen, and, and for the record, don't feel sorry for me. Man, feel sorry for those four fools that I beat up. Poor guys, right? <laughs> and so, uh, so but, but here's what I learned early on in the NHL. Do you know it's okay to lose a fight, but it's not okay to not fight? And you know, I really believe it's the same way in the kingdom of God. That, that it's okay. Occasionally, man, we are going to lose our fight uh, against sin and the flesh. But you know what's not okay? It's not okay to, to not fight. All right? We are continue. He says, fight the good fight. Uh, in fact, in, in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, uh, Proverbs says this, For the righteous fall seven times and rises again, but the wicked stubble, stumble in times of calamity. And so listen, you may, you may stumble and fall and stumble and fall, but I've said this for years, that, that if you want to win in the kingdom of God, whoever gets up the most wins. And so if you look throughout your Bible, all, all the great heroes of our faith, all of them, uh, they stumble and fall at times, uh, except for one man. 
Jesus, the God-man, he walked perfectly. But even Jesus, when he, he bore the weight of all our sin, he went into the grave. And if Jesus doesn't get up on the third day, we're in trouble. So though you may stumble and fall, man, I want to encourage you. Because of the cross of Christ, we can all get back up again. And so, um, you know, just being a pastor and as I'm kind of feeling uh, the pulse uh, of, of people, you know what, I, I feel that people are tired. Like particularly Christians are tired in the fight. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning, you can go one more round. And you have one more round left in you. Uh, have I told you the story of uh, gentleman Jim Corbett? You know, he's, he's the second uh, ever heavyweight champion of the world in boxing. And it's fascinating as you look at his life. Do you know, leading up to his championship bout, uh, he fought uh, a man, get this, for 61 rounds. 61 rounds. Do you know now uh, a sanctioned boxing match is maxed out at 12 rounds. He fought 61 rounds. Until then, then he was eligible to fight the heavyweight champion, John Sullivan. And John Sullivan and Jim Corbett, they fought, ready? 21 rounds. Until finally, uh, James Corbett, he punches out Sullivan to become the heavyweight champion of the world. And, and I think we can learn a bit about the mindset of Jim Corbett. Because he, he writes this poem, and I think it's so appropriate for us today. It's called One More Round. Let me read it to you. He says, fight one more round. When your feet are so tired that you have to shuffle back to the center of the ring, fight one more round. When your arms are so tired that you can hardly lift your hands to come on guard, fight one more round. When your nose is bleeding and your eyes are black and you're so tired you wish your opponent would crack you one on the jaw and put you to sleep, he says, fight one more round. Remembering that the man who always fights one more round is never whipped. And so I want to encourage you, man, you can fight one more round. And, and what do we fight against? We fight against sin. Listen, sin is not your friend. Sin is not your friend. And uh, I, I always remember like the story of this. It was told to me about this little girl who, for whatever reason, she likes snakes. And so her, her family got her a pet snake and she loved this snake. In fact, I know this is kind of creepy. She, she slept with the snake. And so it started off, the snake would sleep at the top of her head, kind of coiled up. And, but then it began to grow. And so she had to put it at the foot of the bed. And then she noticed that her, her pet snake, as it was growing, got sick. And so she took it to the vet, and, and as she was conversing with the vet about what's wrong, and, and, and the, the vet asked, has your, your snake been uh, acting strangely at all? And, and she mentioned this. She said, yeah, you know, the snake no longer sleeps at the foot of my bed. Now I notice it's, it's lying uh, uh, along my side from my feet going up to my torso. And then the, the, the vet panicked and alarmed. He says, it's, it's, it's measuring you. Listen, you kill that snake at once. It, it's trying to see how much it needs to grow until it can consume you. Oh, <laughs> I heard that one. I'm like, brr, brr, right? And so I'm, I'm not the snake guy. But, but I say that to say this. Do you know that the first reference of sin in your Bible is found in Genesis 4, 7? Let me read it for you. God says this to Cain before he kills his brother Abel. God says this, If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, get this, sin 
is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So did you catch that? That, that, that sin, its desire is to consume you. And so sin is not your friend. And just like that snake, we need to fight against sin. Um, and so one, one of the ways we fight against sin is winning the battle for our mind. Like, like our thoughts are unbelievably powerful. Like uh, the scripture would say this, as a man thinks, so is he. As a man thinks, so is he. Because our thoughts are powerful. Paul would say it a little bit different in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 4 through 5. Paul says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so, so we see that thoughts are powerful. In, in our enemy, the devil, he loves uh, man, to, to um, battle us in the mind. He, he wants to get a stronghold over your mind. In fact, did you know that, that uh, like research tells us this, that, that roughly 85% of all our thoughts are negative. Isn't that fascinating and, and alarming? That 85% of our thoughts, they're negative thoughts. It's as if there's an enemy trying to drop lies and negativity into our mind because there is. In, in fact, um, I, I was reading recently, did you know that the, uh, the KGB, the, the, the Russian Secret Service, uh, back in the 60s, that, that they changed their, their, their modus operandi. Like, like instead of trying to steal information from the United States, they changed their, their mode. And then now what they do is they, they try to spew in false information uh, into our media and all kinds of other outlets. And then what happens? By, by planning disinformation, they're, they're creating disunity, just joining, distrust, right? And I see the enemy doing that today as he funnels in lies uh, to our mind. What happens? We become disjointed, uh, dis- disconnected, so on and so forth. And so, man, the, the devil, uh, he wants to, to win the battle of your mind. And so uh, we need to replace the lies of the enemy with the truth, the word of God. And so I've made it a practice in my life. Uh, I'm a big fan of PEDs, right? Uh, Not performance-enhancing drugs, but rather performance-enhancing declarations. And that might be cheesy, but but it really works for me, man. And so I I have written down certain declarations that I made over my life. And what I'm doing, I'm renewing my mind to the truth of God's word and rooting out the lies of the devil. And so, so each and every morning, I'll just say, man, I am wise. All the wisdom of God dwells on the inside of me. Uh, I am a man of faith. I have everything I need to do all God's called me to do. I am a man of prayer. My prayers avail much with God. I am anointed, empowered, equipped, called by God to preach and teach the Bible, right? Uh, I lead leaders, right? And so so this is what I do each and every day. When I, I'm, I'm removing the lies of the, uh, the devil, the negativity, and I'm replacing it with the word of God. And listen, as you do that, you are going to fight the good fight. Let's look at point number three is this. is the, the third F-bomb from Paul is this. He says to finish your race, to finish your race. And so are you a finisher? Are you a finisher? Do you know the Bible is filled with guys 
who started strong and they ended unbelievably badly. Like, like we can get to uh, Esau uh, sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. And it says, it says later in his life, he sought to get it back with tears and, and crying. That, that Saul, the first king of Israel, that Saul, uh, he sold out, uh, the, he wanted the approval of men over the approval of God. And what? It cost him uh, his throne. That, that Judas, uh, Judas, can we agree he started strong? One of the original 12, and then he would sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Like, like, are you a finisher? Let me read to you uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and, true, one and 2. Um, the author of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so I, I love that. Like, like you have a race. God has a destiny and a purpose. And just like Jesus, he ran his race. And there was moments he wanted to quit. But it says what? For the joy. For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Uh, I immediately thought of uh, Florence Chadwick. Florence Chadwick was this, this epic uh, female swimmer, and, and uh, she had this dream to swim uh, from, from Catalina Island to the California, California coast. It's, uh, I believe it's 26 miles, and so there's a, there was this, really, for, the, for its day, it was a large event, and so all this media coverage was there, and, and so uh, she began her, her swim from Catalina Island, and as she's She's swimming. She's moving along at a great pace. It was fascinating. They had all these other boats there to, to shoot guns in, in the event that they saw, saw sharks. And so it was this big deal. And she was going strong until the fog settled in on the California coast. And, and she, 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 she lost sight of land. And her, her stroke became less and less deliberate until finally she just quit. She got back into the boat. And then the fog eventually would clear and she would find out she had swam 25 miles. She, she was less than one mile to shore. But what she lost all her hope, uh, her conviction, what when she couldn't see the coast. And in the same way, we need to keep the joy uh, that is set before us in front of us, uh, in mind, in front of mind. Like, like if Esau, Saul, and Judas, um, they lost sight of the finish line, of all that was ahead of them. Like Jesus, the thing that kept him going, what was the joy that was set before him? And so uh, I wanted to share this illustration with you this morning is, is you know, if if this, um, I got this this rope here and and, and say, see this dark portion of the rope, if, if, say that's our life, and then the rest of this rope is eternity. And it just goes on and on and on forever and ever. And yet we try to cram everything into this because we think that's all there is. And we forget that, that we are going to spend eternity uh, in glory. And see, Paul was able to keep this front and center. Like Paul had a secret weapon. Did you know in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that, that Paul, he reveals to us that, that, he, that God took him to the third heaven. And there he was able to see paradise and joy unspeakable. 
And, and now, like, do, do you see now, because he had that glimpse of eternity, the rest of the rope, it's what kept him going through the difficult times of life. And can we agree that, that Paul had a hard life? Like, if you read about him, man, he was shipwrecked, beaten, stoned to death, and that he, he went hungry. He was imprisoned until, like, like I believe it crescendos as he's shipwrecked on an island and he, he's just trying to build a fire to warm himself. And it says that a viper bites him. I'm like, like, isn't it at some point, don't you go, come on, God, right? Just me? <laughs> of course. But, but Paul never snaps. You know why? Because he knew, hey, this isn't all there is. There's something, Paul would say it this way. He goes, that this present suffering is not worthy to be compared to the future glory. That it's, it's for the joy set before him that he endured the difficult seasons of life. And so uh, I want to tell you this. I want to speak this over you and into you. You're going to finish your race. You're going to finish your race. Um, I, I believe we've told the story of Diane Nyad. I don't know where on women swimmers here this morning. Seems to be a theme, but but Diane Nyad, it's amazing. As, as a little girl, uh, she had this dream. She wanted to uh, swim from Cuba uh, all the way to the Florida Keys. It's a 110-mile swim. And so so her first attempt, uh, she did it. She, she swam 42 miles but because uh, of strong winds, she had to quit. And so she, she put her, side, uh, her dream aside for some 30 years. And finally, uh, at the age of 60, she decided she was going to try it again. And so as she, she started swimming again, now at the age of 60, uh, she, she got part of the way there. She had an asthma attack. She had to quit once again. Third attempt. Uh, she goes out and she, she's swimming and she gets stung by two man o wars. She starts to swell up and she has to stop. Uh, fourth attempt, uh, she starts swimming again and she goes for some time. She's stung by nine jellyfish. Again, swells up. She has to quit. The fifth attempt, at the age of 64 years old, she starts swimming from Cuba and she swims some 53 hours straight and she, until she walks and ascends to the shores uh, of the California Keys. Man, she had done it. And, and it, you got to ask yourself, like, like, how did she have the fortitude to continue to keep going failure after failure? And so I think we find a glimpse into it uh, when we see her father. That her father uh, was at, at a young age, that, that he was a Greek man, and, and he told his daughter just before she was going to school, little Diana, and he says, Diana, today you will start school, and, and the, you are going to ask the other children, is your name in the dictionary? And then you can show them your name. And then he, he pulls out, and he goes to the word Nyad, because her name is Diane Nyad, and underneath it, it says, a female champion swimmer see the, what kept her going is she believed the words of her father the name that her father had given and you know in the same way man i just you need to believe the words of your heavenly father like i love what god says about you and about me in, in romans 8 verse 37 that that god says this that you are more than a conqueror and like, it's, it's fascinating when you look at the, that word of the Greek, you know that Paul just made up a new word? It's like he's a rapper or something like that, right? He says this, he says, you are more than a conqueror. It's the word hyper nikeo. Nikeo is, that's where we get the word Nike. It means victory. But, but it's, it's hyper means, means beyond or more than. You are beyond victorious with your life. And that's what God 
says about you and says about me. And so we are going to believe our Heavenly Father and we're going to finish uh, our race because we're finishers. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, Paul, or, or the author of Hebrews will go on and he's, he says this, that if we want to win our race, we need to lay aside weight and, and the sin that so easily entangles us. Like we've got to lay some stuff aside. Um, Paul will say it uh, this way in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 9. Paul says this, to run in such a way as to get the prize. If I could say it differently, he says, run your race to win. Run in such a way as to win. And you know, as a pastor, there's moments, man, where it just breaks my heart that, that people will ask me certain questions and I'm just like, oh, bro, you, you don't want to win, do you? Like, like the people ask me, hey, uh, like, like uh, how little can I give and, and have God not be mad at me, right? I have some people ask me, hey, how, how far can I go uh, with my girlfriend and, and God not be angry? Hey, how much can I drink uh, and, and then still it not be sin? And, right? and I'm like, man, you're, you're just fundamentally asking the wrong question. Like, like the scripture would say this, whatever you do, do it heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so a better question to frame your day is this, man, like, like how can I live uh, in such a way that glorifies God with, with my time, my talent, my treasure? Like that's a great way to frame your day and then go out and you go win the day because you're going to finish your race. And then as we close, uh, I love how Paul ends it. He says this, that I have kept the faith. And he says, now that there's a crown of righteousness awaiting me. And, and the Lord is the one who's going to give me this crown. It, it's the, the reward of the Lord, a crown of righteousness. And Paul's like, I'm going to be able to stand before Jesus and say, Master, I've kept the faith. I've kept the faith. And so um, uh, I, I was trying to figure out, I wanted you to feel something this morning. And so, it, uh, you know, I, I was reminded of, uh, you know, we're dog people at Every Nation, New Jersey. Um, we can be reconciled with cat people, but but in our core, we're dog people. And I got to tell you about my my prized dog, Dakota. I always joked he, he was the chosen one. And so Dakota, it's funny, we got him as a puppy. And I believe we have an image of him with my daughters. And man, my daughters just gobbled him up. They, they love uh, Dakota. They'd call him the Dota bear. And and then for me, he was he was kind of my best buddy, man. We we would hang out, and and I, I remember uh, I think we have an, an image of us hanging out, and, and this is just after I, I got out of the hospital, and so if I look a little uh, uh, drugged up, it's because I was. But my buddy Dakota was there with me, and then uh, he he was also lots of fun, man. We could dress him up in in in, in hockey jerseys, or or uh, one time we we put ridiculous like Halloween costumes on him, and he was just a blast. And I think we have an image of that. And but um, but then there came a moment uh, when he got really really sick, and uh, I believe we have an image. And this is Dakota's uh, last day he was with us, and, and I can remember going to the vet and the vet said, we're, we're just going to have to put him down. He's suffering too much. And, and I remember I went back uh, into the, the surgical room uh, where they were going to administer um, this, uh, you know, uh, put him to sleep. And so when I walked into the room, Dakota was laying uh, uh, on a bed with all these tubes going in him to help him breathe. And, and when, when Dakota looked across the room 
and he saw me. Suddenly strength came into his body. He sat up and, and the, the, the cords pulled out of his breathing tubes, pulled out, and he just let out this large, woo. And, and man, I just, the, the chills and that, I, I dropped to the ground in tears, but, but, but that moment was such a gift to me. That, that uh, and, and I, I won't share that to say this. Do you know in Acts chapter 7, we get Stephen, the church's first martyr. And, and Stephen, uh, he kept the faith. And as he shared the Gospels, um, some of the Jews, they got violently upset. And they began to, they were throwing stones. And they were stoning Stephen. And as the life was draining out of his body, that, that Stephen too received a gift. And he says, Stephen looked up to the heavens and he, and he says, uh, I see the heavens opening and I see the Son of God seated uh, or standing at the right hand of the Father. And, and if you know anything uh, about the scripture, Jesus is always seated at the right hand of the Father, but not in this moment. He's standing as if to be applauding his servant who had kept the faith. And I want that for your life and for mine. That our Lord, uh, as we come in, he would celebrate the fact that you and I, that we stood for Jesus in the earth and we kept the faith. And I want us to see that and experience that one day. I want that. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the privilege, uh, Lord, of knowing you and serving you. Lord, even I, I, I pray that men and women would be provoked this morning, that, that we would be people that would, we would fulfill our ministry like you have a ministry. Father, I pray that we would fight the good fight. Lord, give us the strength to get up one more time, just one more time, and that as well, that we would finish our race, that, that we're going to be finishers and keep the faith. And we're going to hear these words from you, Lord. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.